think we're good. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Stats on Stats. My name is Richard Stevens, and I am joined today by my co-host, Joel Harvey. Joel, how are we doing today? I am doing fantastic, Rich. That's great to hear, my how friend. I'm doing not too bad. I'm really excited to get this off the ground. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Mr. James T. Callum. James, how's it going today? Doing pretty good. It's good to hear. So, quick little introduction. Stats on Stats is a lit RPG podcast that will be featured on the channel every once in a while. It's not going to be an every week thing. But hopefully you all enjoy it enough to where you you want more of it but what lit rpg is you know what i'm actually going to pass this over to james james why don't you go ahead and give the definition of lit rpg really quickly to me it's more along the lines of capturing the feeling of playing a game but with more than just stats more than just you know the mmo rpg aspect it's the feeling of being in a new world having game mechanics having boss fights, having crafting, having all of the things that you get out of most games, but in the literary format. All right. All right. I did see somewhere um, multiple times that um, the lit and lit RPG stands for literary. And of course, RPG stands for role-playing game. Um, as I've tried to explain this to um, multiple people, they always go, oh, is it like a choose your own adventure? N no, 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 it's not. Because people were like, oh, yeah, those have been around for, for years. And I was like, oh, lit RPG is more, I feel like, in the past, what, five, six years, it's really made a big uproar. Yeah, big one. So, um, James, you have written three books. Am I, am I right on that three as of right now? Yeah, they're published. All right. And um, so the way I've or the books I've read was the uh, Pirate Souls Apocalypse, uh, the first book, Rewind. And um, I will have to say, after reading it, it went very high on my list of, like, what's in my top uh, lit RPG books. The uh, story and elements that you have captured behind it were just absolutely astonishing. And I didn't know really what I was expecting when going into it. I mean, uh, remember seeing your post in the uh, Lit RPG Facebook group page. And um, I absolutely loved what you were doing with it because I was like, oh, Dark Souls in a Lit RPG book? All right, give me more. And um, I was telling Joel about it. I was like, Joel, dude, we got to check this book out. And right when um, I was actually getting ready to buy it is when you... Uh, messaged me and said, hey, you won the giveaway. And I was like, oh, well, I'm still going to buy a copy. So I bought a copy for Joel, actually, and uh, yeah. sent it to him. So um, what was uh, – first, let's go into, like, what your inspiration was when you decided, hey, I want to be an author. The thing that I usually give is most people kind of have, like, you know, the thing that they want to do. And I, ever since I was a kid, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't know I wanted to be an author. I didn't know I wanted to be an EMT, which is what I ended up being. I didn't know any of that stuff. And at some point, I just, I got really, like most of us, you know, you, you kind of start 
reading when you're a kid because you have to because school mm-hmm. and then you just start doing it for fun and then you fall out of it like everybody falls out of it it's just normal in my opinion and then you get back into it and you get older and then you're like wow this is a lot of fun i miss doing this and then i started realizing that nobody was writing the stories that i wanted to read so i started doing that all right so um as we're talking about um pirate souls real quick we'll we'll touch base on um your other series as well joel without going too far into the whole spoiler aspect what were your thoughts on the book i enjoyed the book immensely uh i loved the uh dark souls uh mentions i really loved the uh uh mechanics uh because you did add some a little bit of extra stuff to it and that was really enjoyable as well um so overall um i don't really like doing like a whole you know rating of like you know the 10 out of 10 um because you and i we both do the uh we both do audiobooks preferably just because of how much we work and also it's a lot easier personally for me just because super high dyslexia like it's it's high functioning no way around that um but when it came to the audiobook i think this is probably my uh second one that was narrated by i always feel like i'm gonna pronounce his name but uh pavi he did he did a fantastic job at capturing the world i feel like you were trying to create james and um first off i just want to say thank you for writing this story because it was just like i didn't think it was gonna hit me as hard as it did because right from that first chapter i was sucked in like i i was like you know most books start with a kind of low like not a lot of action your starts with Hey, we have a group of survivors. One of them's going to die. <laughs> so, like, when you were planning out your story and everything, how did you pick where you were going to go from start to finish? Oh, boy. Um, I'm not much of a planner. Okay. I'm, I guess the term is, uh, like, pantser, but I, I've always preferred uh, Martin's term, which is, like, gardener, where you, you have an idea for a world. You have an idea for what's gonna, going to happen. But then you kind of just see where the characters take it. Okay. And so- for uh, for the beginning, I like you said, you know, most books kind of start off slow, kind of pull you into it. And I just I wanted a beginning that basically grabbed somebody and just yanked them in. Okay. And I mean, you 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 obviously did that because I remember. Um, I think Joel, you started it right before me because I was still finishing up uh, God's Eye. And yeah, you I got went... like a couple cha- or a chapter in, and I I uh, talked to him. I was like, "Well, Rich, it's really grim," <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that was kind of an issue for me. But then I had to go back and listen to it, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, no, this is this is really good." And um. As soon as Joel told me, he goes, "Yeah, it's it's got a grim, like setting to it." I was like, "You know, we've we've played enough 
dark games. Like, Joel and I, we we are, I don't want to say Dark Souls experts, but we do play the game religiously. Like, it's really bad how quick, how much time we actually put into the game, which I can tell was a uh, somewhat of a big inspiration for you when oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, writing this. So, when you got the idea to write uh, Pyre Souls, like, how... I feel like I've already asked, but, like, the whole inspiration behind it, like, were, were there other elements to it other than uh, Dark Souls? Because the book does deal with time travel. So, I want to know, like, how you decided this is where I want to take this. Like, Well, I was reading, um, let's see. I was reading a lot of books about time travel at the time, sci-fi, and I really, really like time travel. I'm a huge time travel nerd. All the various iterations of it from like the typical Back to the Future where it spawns another timeline, which is more or less what happens in Jacob's world versus like the cycle nature of like Doctor Who where, you know, he does something because he's already going to do it, so he has to do it. And I've never liked that because it means that once you do it, you know what's going to happen. There's no, there's no twist. There's no surprise. And for Pirate Souls, obviously, Soulsborne games, not just Dark Souls, but there's a little bit of Bloodborne in there. There's a little touch of Sekiro in there. And even some of the Soulsborne light games that I play huge amounts of, like uh, Hyperlight Drifter okay. and other games like that. And my major thing for it, though, is I wanted, ironically enough, to write a VR MMO because... Beastborn came first, and it was like a portal fantasy, more or less, and not no touch of VR on there. And I really, I wanted to try something VR, but I wanted to do it differently. So, like the main complaint that you hear from VR MMOs, uh, lit RPGs, is people like, oh well, the real world is so boring. They just go back to their day job or something like that. I wanted something that was just as dangerous and just as terrifying for Jake to go back to. Well, I can, um, I can confirm that some of the stuff that Jacob does have to um, endure on his adventure uh, back into Pyre Souls Online, definitely terrifying. I'm glad I could do that. There, there were some <laughs> scenes I was like, nah, he's not going to do... Oh, he did. Okay, he, he did do that. All right. Um, and one of the things I, I did like about... Uh, Jacob's journey, which I know is a huge point into the um, lit RPG genre, is the adventure. And one thing I do like that about lit RPGs and why I think I prefer them more over other genres of books, including like just basic fantasy or cultivation fantasy, is definitely the items and the quests that are given to the character. And just seeing their stat sheets on how, oh, this is where we're leveling up. This is where, you know, I'm going to make myself more strong. I'm going to make myself much stronger. And yeah, like I, it gives you a, uh, it gives you a metric for how strong they are. Yeah. Rather than just simply, okay, well, this guy can now lift something else, but you know, what's that actually mean? And you see the stats and you're like, okay, well, 15 strength, that means something to me. And as, um, as I've said multiple times already that, you know, we're Joel and I are huge Dark Souls players. I could kind of envision like the Dark Souls world, but not at the same time where it's it's the world you, you've created. It's the Bergen Beast. It's the crossroads 
It's where each boss that he had to face to get to the point where he is and how he had to learn everything that he did in the future before doing the whole time travel with the Ember. Um, and the stats, I do feel like, captured that perfectly because the whole point was how is Jacob going to be strong enough to beat the Bergen Beast? Which Yeah, and he had to get there fast enough too. Yeah, and that that's another thing that I really like because each, like, towards um, every so other chapter, you had the, oh, such and such days until the fall of humanity. Oh, such and such days until the fall of humanity. So we've talked about it quite a bit. Why don't you go ahead and give a brief summary about what uh, Pyrosol's Apocalypse is? Um, Pyrosol's Apocalypse is a, I would say, post-apocalyptic VR MMO RPG, lit RPG, where the main character, Jacob, is it's selected basically through because he's really the only one that can not necessarily that he's a chosen one or that he's planned to the whole time. He just is basically the closest thing at hand to go back in time and try to prevent the collapse. Basically, basically 10 years ago, something terrible happened to earth turned into a horrible, horrifying wasteland. And he's trying to prevent that by going back into the game and kill the beast that came out that nobody could kill before it causes a collapse. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty uh, simple definition of everything that I that <clears throat> that's what I read on um, the Audible's description, and that's what pulled me in. And there's so much more. There's so much more. I I will touch base on everything that how it affected me when we get to our little uh, five minute increment where I'm going to allow Joel and I to go over spoilers uh, with you because I have some questions. Oh boy. And a lot of them are why, <laughs> why? <laughs> um, so do you feel like if we talk about the crossroads, that'd be a, a too big of a spoiler and like no. the relationships no, that he had with, I interpreted it as his ex-girlfriend. Uh, we talking about Emily or the one that betrays him um, in the game? Yeah, that's Emily. I that's Emily. It as yeah. main girlfriend. I was like, yes, was, was that an in-game girlfriend, or was that like he actually knew her in real life? That was uh, Emily Cooper. Was his uh, basically at the time he was like nineteen, he'd been with her for maybe like nine months or something like that, and they were what you would call like high school sweethearts that end up going to college together, except it was very one-sided. Okay. It was more him falling for her than her falling for him. Yeah. I mean, we've, I mean, most people at least that I know have had one or two relationships where it was not quite unrequited love, but it was very, you're doing all the work in the relationship and the other person is just kind of there Personally, I do feel that. So I feel like I connected with that a little bit. <laughs> um, and that's, that's basically what Emily was. Okay. Um, Emily definitely was um, a character that I hated. <laughs> and I think you did a really good job at capturing why I should hate her. Um, so the PvP system in the game, or well, not really. I guess it could be considered both PvP and... Um, pretty much how the white soap signs work in Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. 
why uh why did you really kind of decide to change that up a little bit i mean i don't get me wrong i love the change of it and everything it felt very unique to the world of pyro souls um and it added a whole new aspect to me on what the co-op helped could be because you had the choice of either you know helping the person defeat the boss or not yeah or just kind of sitting around and emoting at them which happened to me in dark souls a lot i mean did you at least get hit with praise the sun a lot oh yeah definitely okay, everybody does you, you you gotta praise the sun that's the best covenant joel we found our new dark souls buddy <laughs> uh joel do you have any thoughts on the uh, pvp system um i thought it was really unique uh emily was uh a pretty short like introduction to the pvp system i think what really like made it shine was the uh later on where the guy's like oh hey i uh like I'm super duper important in real life and you should bow before me and you're just like I got somewhere to be like I just I love that like uh yeah it's part of uh part of the game and there's people that play for that but he's playing for a different reason it's kind of how I played like Dark Souls. I'm like, don't really get into the PvP as much. So I think that part of the book was really like uh, enjoyable for me, at least. So um, we didn't uh, really touch base on it. Um, James, do you want to talk about the contest that happens in the book oh, and why the players are playing Pyre Souls? I totally forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, the The whole purpose that they're basically playing is they're it's a huge stake in a like brand new. It's like the hottest thing that came out. It's basically like the equivalent of uh, not even Blizzard or any of the other companies I can think of really touch what Altus is is like, but they were giving away essentially controlling stake in a huge company, so it would instantly make you. A multi-billionaire and that i mean who doesn't want that really that, uh, that's true wasn't the stake like correct me if i'm wrong it's like 48 percent. it was a huge amount that's all i can remember at the top of my head i can go back to my notes it's probably not a controlling stake now that i think of it but it was it was enough that you would be fine your children would be fine and everybody in your line would basically never go without money that's that's pretty good way to put it because I mean it was it was a lot of money and as the um, the character Joel brought up the um, I want to describe him as the douchey college kid that's that's really all I can think of he's like the douchey frat boy where he gets humiliated by Jacob and then goes well I gotta make it a personal quest now to make this guy's life a living hell yep he, he always reminded me a little bit once i started getting into the character of my dad owns a car dealership kind of guy yeah like not not billionaire or millionaire rich necessarily but you know 
I don't have to do this. I don't have to go to these college courses. I don't have to do anything. I'll just get a job at my dad's dealership. That's yeah. That that actually is a really good way to uh, to put it. So when you were designing like you know the different characters and everything the whole aspect that i found really really interesting was the fact that jacob was allowed to keep his memory from the different you know timelines with when he gets out of the game after playing for so many hours but it feels more like days for him but it's really been only an hour or two in the real world yeah and that's where sunlit rpgs you definitely did a huge difference because there's always the, uh, if the correct worm I'm thinking of is time deprivation. Is that dilation or time dilation? Thank you. So when Jacob's in the game, he experiences multiple days at on end, but in the real world, it's been about an hour about or so, give or take. Two days, yeah. But the fact that he's able to keep his memories from what he's actually lived with and he has to live with that burden, I think you captured it really well. Thank you. That was one of the things I wanted to really drive home is that not so much, I guess you could consider it kind of sacrificial, but more along the lines of he has to remember all the horrible things. So if somehow he does completely undo the apocalypse, he still remembers. He still lived through that. Yeah. That's 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 gonna be a lot of therapy. There's there's no way around that. That's gonna be a lot of therapy and PTSD. Because yeah, the second book goes into that pretty pretty heavily. I I can't wait to read that. I'm I'm virtually really excited. I was giddy the entire time after you said that the second book was being written at the moment. That was always kind of the point is to drive that home that you really shouldn't have as a human multiple timelines in your head no i i personally don't think i could do this joel do you think you could do this no like having to, to like say goodbye to someone and then be like oh they're still here like you're you're thinking like no i don't i don't want to get attached to them anymore like that's definitely gonna affect you like hardcore yeah it makes everything really hard so one thing that happens when I listen to a, a book, I like to envision myself kind of as the main character where it's like, could I survive in this character's shoes with some of the stuff they've endured? Oh, I do that all the time. I did it with books when I was with, uh, how was it? Like TV shows when I was a little kid. Yeah. And somebody going to water, I'd be like, can I hold my breath that long? The stuff Jacob endures in this series so far in just book one, because a lot of stuff happens. I I can't do that with your series because <laughs> no, there, there's a lot of dark stuff that happens that I just I couldn't. I don't think my I I myself could endure. Ten years of living in pretty literal hell will change a person. I I honestly don't even think I could survive the ten years. To get from the point of the fall of humanity to them deciding, hey, we need to go back and do this. I don't think I could do this. I don't think most people did. No. And that's what I love that you captured, definitely, because it just has that emotion of how 
strong-willed Jacob is, but also feels broken at the same time. Yeah, it's yeah, one of the things I wanted. Just, like, sorry, even just, like, in the game itself, like, it was, uh, like, full pain, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like, even going through that, like, I, I definitely would, like, probably wouldn't be able to handle it. That was one so, of the like, major things I wanted with it is, like, you get people who, you have certain uh, MOs, basically, we'll have them in the future at some point, where they have, like, toned-down pain. And I was like, if I was going to do something that was like Dark Souls, there's no way they would ever tone that down. It would be, it would be like, amplified, if anything. Yeah. And you don't lose your memory of your death. That's one of the yeah. warnings that comes up when uh, Jacob has to fill out the DCMA. Is that what it's? It might be like an NDA. Yeah, NDA, thank you. To where he's like, oh, you can't sue us for the trauma you're going to experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to imagine other players are like, yeah, pff, whatever. And then somebody like, you know, in Dark Souls, you drop like 10 feet and you take off like half your health. Somebody doing that and being like, oh, God, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the first mimic I encounter, I'm done. That's plain and simple. The first time I open a chest and, you know, I see them teeth and I can't get away. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Those, I love the mimics in Dark Souls. See, I thought I remembered where every mimic was, and I was doing a live stream. I I forgot where one was. Was in the castle. Um, it's in an Orlando where Havel's gear is. Yep, yep. I know what down the basement, right? Uh huh. I was yeah, like, that's not a mimic. The chain's not on the other side. See, and... I just get paranoid and i hit everything even though it screws up my dur durability that's what we started and, doing yeah exactly and that's it always terrified me when their legs popped out when they die so here's what's gonna happen we i'm setting a timer right now and we're going to go into the spoiler portion of pyre souls apocalypse We've got five minutes on the counter so if you don't want to hear any spoilers just come back in five minutes if you do want to hear spoilers, stay, because I have a lot of questions. And starting starting now, James, why did you do the ending the way you did? That broke uh, me. It Just had to happen. Right into it. it was, I, I realized that was the only way it was going to happen, because it's, I, honestly, I can't, it, it's handled, it is, it's explained in the second book. What happens? So, so like with him up waking up and having the memories of how to operate the uh, the time capsule and everything. There's there's a little more than that actually. There's notepads uh, that he wrote. Oh, all the and, sticky notes and everything that are yeah. on the right. There's there's a fact that some people point out. Most people haven't noticed it. The ember is called improbability ember at the end of the book instead of the ember probability, which is in the beginning. I didn't notice that. A lot of people didn't. Okay. I got a lot of messages saying, "Did you did you misspell that?" I was like, "No, no, not misspelled." So, the whole thing that that got me, and I think broke me more than anything, wasn't the fact that all his friends and the people that we met outside of the game world were all dead at this point. It was that Kamala left 
the world of Fire Souls came to Earth, and now she's gone. Yep. When he's walking through the the like the giant graveyard, which I I just pictured like a little white house with a, a shipwreck on it, and the whole land behind him was just a graveyard. That's that's how I pictured it. It's pretty big. It's not that big, but it's pretty big. It's on top of basically a, a mountain in the Appalachian uh, mountain range. Okay. That that changes my my picturing a little bit, but I can still see it. It's and very small and sad, kind of like a, it's still breaking me. Yeah, kind <laughs> of like the graveyard a little bit in the after the Firekeeper Shrine, the first Dark Souls, and a little bit like the third uh, game's graveyard where it's kind of rolling and it's just okay. anywhere there's a place for a marker, there's a marker. Okay. I think originally, like, when I, like, was hearing all about the the deaths and everything, the graveyard from uh, the Haunted Mansion, that's how I pictured it at first. Oh, yeah. And I was like, it's all these dead people. Well, good thing <laughs> necromancy's not a thing in this. Yet. Yeah. I, I hope. <laughs> I hope necromancy oh. doesn't come because that'll just break me even more. Um, well, that's why he does the stabs in the head, basically. That makes sense. Yeah, they're, they're for the brain. That's that's one thing I really enjoyed about this book. Getting into spoilers, the mechanics, the cursed mechanic, the cursed mechanic, and the character or the uh, race mechanic. I really, really enjoyed. Joel, your mic's uh, crackling a little bit. Sorry. Can you hear me though? I can hear you. It's just there's a there's a crackle in your um, headset. Yeah. So the race mechanic and the uh, yeah. I thought the race mechanic the was, mechanic. was really. So good. how did you uh, come up with those? The race mechanic. Uh, that was the only way that I can envision doing it because he knew exactly the path that. Alec took because Alec told him and has been telling him for the last 10 years all the stories around the fireplace and stuff like that and that was the only way that he could do it is because there was a literal ticking clock until Alec basically would face a Burgundy Beast. He was the first one to face him and he died and he failed because the Burgundy Beast you know, destroys the pyres. So like, if you're bound to that pyre, you're kicked out of the game. That's what happened to Alec the first time. Do, do, yeah. Do we want to touch base on uh, our little friend, the fire Appa before the spoilers time clock ends and we More go into our next topic because that when he was like, you know, I'm always going to be a part of you, Jacob, like you remembered me and all this other stuff. I was like, oh, God, is he going to die? I love fire Appa. fire Appa, I think, is probably the whole most wholesome character in the series. He, so he's far. the fire keeper. The Appas are a they're a thing in other series of mine that I'm basically making. They're very, very old for stuff that I've made, but just hasn't hasn't been published yet. Oh. I'm very interested in that now. Same. I, I need more lore on the fire Appas. And with five seconds to spare, we're gonna go ahead and end the timer there for the spoiler section. And um we'll go ahead and do our final thoughts on or Joel and I's final thoughts on the Pyre Souls book before we jump into our next segment, which will bring us into more of the lit RPG genre. Joel, final thoughts on Pyre Souls. 
uh, like I said at the beginning of the video, fantastic book. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. It was really good. Uh, yeah. And uh, and same. James, you did an absolutely amazing job at capturing how dark and grim the world really is. Thank and you. like I said, I don't even think I could survive that. How Jacob <laughs> did it and how Alec did it and the rest of the crew and all the memories that Jacob has to endure of the people he's lost along the way. That just, it hurts. Because I don't know how I would be able to look at someone and be like, oh yeah, I watched you get impaled. Yeah, that's that's pretty harsh. It, it, it really is. So, uh, which will lead us into our next uh, topic of events. Which is, we'll go ahead and briefly, uh, why don't you give us a little description about your other series, uh, Beastborn. Uh, Beastborn is more of a typical, I think the term, I'm going to butcher this, so I'm not going to even say the word. Uh, it's a portal fantasy. There's another word for it. A lot of people who are fans of like anime and so that will know it. I, I can't. I don't know it. Like I, I can't pronounce it. But it's basically where another character named Hal ends up getting pulled into a world similar to similar to Pirate Souls, except it's not a game world. Nobody knows it's a game world, and stats are just par for the course here. And uh, his he's pulled over and marked because he's not from that world. And anybody who's not from that world is instantly marked so that they basically don't go back to the world that they're in. Their soul is essentially trapped there in a way without giving too many spoilers. Well, I can say that I'm, uh, I'm only three chapters in on the uh, audiobook, And so far it's, it's pulled me in. The, uh, it's definitely a slower start than Pyrosol's. It definitely did have a little more world building in the um, in the prologue, but it definitely captured uh, my attention. And sorry, I have the hiccups right now. <clears throat> it pulled me in, and I will say it did definitely grab my attention about halfway through the prologue. But I was actually pretty interested when I read the summary, and when it was up for pre-order, I was like, "All right, got a pre-order." And then I had to cancel my pre-order due to financials, but had everything figured out, and we got it today. Awesome. So I'm definitely going to be capturing this 29-hour audiobook. Yeah, it's pretty long. Joel, are you excited for Pirates, or uh, not Pirates Souls, uh, Beastborn? Beastborn, I am really excited. I'm really hyped. Uh, from what I heard of it, uh, yeah, it's definitely a really interesting world. Uh, really looking forward to it. Now, when you um, have to publish a book and everything, how, how does that process go? Basically, I mean, Amazon makes it pretty easy for the most part. And because I'm in the Kindle Unlimited service, mm -hmm. I can't really publish it anywhere else. But... Beastborn, for example, started as a web novel instead of, or web serials, instead of uh, an actual full-length book. Okay. And so uh, it started there, and and then I decided that you know it would be good to bring it to a wider audience and to see you know if anybody actually, I mean honestly at the time I was like nobody's gonna care about my writing. You know, there's a million other really good authors out there. You got the the titans of lit RPG that are just 
you, they put out one book, everybody loves it. And I was like, that's, you know, that's a pipe dream for most people. And I put it out and it's, Kindle makes it honestly really easy as long as you make sure that you have everything done on your end. You know, you edit it, you get good covers, you make sure everything's all done. You basically just wrap it up in whatever document that they want you in. So like uh, Kindle has its own converter that will convert like Microsoft Word. You have Scrivener, you have Vellum, which is what I use, which is on Mac. And it just literally one click and it compiles it. You just send it over. Okay. So when uh, do you publish everything yourself? Oh, yeah, definitely. I do not have somebody to do it for me. Okay. That's considered an indie author, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think so. But I have no idea. It's, it's indie and self-published, and some of the indie authors that aren't self-published kind of don't like you using the term, you know? But I would consider it indie. Okay. Now, when you were you know, writing these series and everything. You have two audiobooks out on Audible right now. Pirate Souls came out back in January, and Beastborn just dropped on the 16th of March, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And they're both done by Podium Publishing, correct? Yep. How did you get um, entangled with Podium Publishing? How did you pick them to be your audiobook publishing company? I was honestly floored by the amount of people that cared about Beastborn, either from readers or people who are like, hey, we want to turn your book into an audiobook. And I was like, wait, I thought audiobooks were things that, you know, you have huge publishing houses to do. And like they were talking about, like, we did The Martian and we did all these other books. And we, we did uh, Andrew Rose books, which I'm a huge fan of, uh, Arcane Ascension. And I was like, oh, man okay, I'll, I'll do my due diligence first. I mean, I, I didn't just get starstruck, though. I admittedly kind of did. And I looked at what they had on, on hand and the voice actors, and I was like, okay, well, there is absolutely no way ever that I'm going to have the time to write another book, edit it, do all the work that I need to do, still work, and get an audio narrator. And so I, I figured Podium would be able to bring a product to the market that if I was able to do, I wouldn't be able to do for at least a year. Oh, wow. Now, did Podium pick the narrators for both books, or were you able to pick who you wanted? They gave me basically a choice of what they had available, and essentially, I wanted to make sure that I had veto power in case I didn't feel they fit the, the tone or the character or anything like that, but both times they picked two people that I... I was happy with, more than happy with. That's awesome. Earlier, um, when I was talking to you about this and everything, which, hold on, actually, I'll come back to that comment. When you brought up, when I brought up Podium, you brought up one of my favorite series, Arcane Ascension. So, real quick, just need to throw a stab at Joel real quick. Hey, Joel. Yeah. You know what you should read? Arcane Ascension. Arcane Ascension, there we go. All right, now that I got that out of the way. <laughs> I've tried to get him to read it multiple times. He's like, yeah, I really I really don't know. Like, the War of Broken Mirrors just didn't grab me. No. It's different. It's a lot different, Joel. Read it. Is it? Read it. It's some of Nick Fodell's best work, I'm telling you. Do it. Peer uh. pressure. Peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> One of us. So, I forget what topic I was actually about to go into. Uh, if I remember it, we'll come back to it. 
we're going to go ahead and jump into our next segment, which is we've talked about audiobooks and everything. We're going to go ahead and jump into other lit RPGs that we have experienced. So, James, I'll go ahead and let you uh, go ahead and tell us some of your favorites, if you don't mind. Well, I mean, everybody knows Ritualist. That's probably one of my favorites because I am like a huge, huge nerd for knowing how magic works and what he does behind the scenes to make it work, to prep and stuff like that is just, it's basically one of my favorite things to really geek out of. And it's just, it's a good, good long series that is still going. And a lot of authors at like the second or third book, they just kind of peter out. And I entirely get that from an author standpoint because it is exhausting trying to keep everything, you know, that high quality. And it's probably one of my favorite series. Then you have Good Guys, which is basically just, as I constantly describe to my friends, good, dumb fun. Yeah, that that would be the best way to put it. I've only read, I think, the first four books of Good Guys. And it started to kind of get a little repetitive for me. I didn't really care about the main character as much. But I think I was just burning myself out because I went through the books like back to back to back to back instead of waiting for the next one. But the Bad Guys series, I feel like I enjoyed a little bit more because of how smart and witty the main character was. I I still need to get into the Bad Guys. It's I personally for me, it's a lot better. Like I said, the um the main character I don't know the best way to describe it without going really too far into spoiler territory. But same premise as the good guys, you know, he gets the offer to go to the other world, et cetera, et cetera. But instead of being the big barbarian, he chose, he chooses to be a thief, kind of like a little Robin hood steal from the rich. But instead of giving it to the poor, he's like, yeah, it's mine. That takes place in the empire, right? Yes. It takes place in the main capital. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I thought. Which they do reference the events that happen, or some of the events that happen in the Good Guy series. But so far, to my knowledge, they haven't intertwined yet. And I'm curious to see how um, Eric's going to do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. I've always wanted, the be- particularly the beginning of the Good Guys, the first book was just phenomenal. For all of the lit RPGs I've read, I would have to say that the beginning of his character as in the new world of good guys was bar none the best. It, it was funny, which is always a plus because, you know, he got the, all the super awesome armor and then immediately lost it. And he, I've always liked and wanted to see a character well done. That is basically I'm a hammer and everything in the world is a nail. Yeah. He, he gives off, I don't want to say smart Conan the Barbarian vibes, but he gives off some, he definitely gives off some Conan the Barbarian vibes at the very beginning. And I mean, what, doesn't he try to like write his shield down the mountain at one point? Yeah. (laughs) I I would, I wanted to have that in, uh, in Pyrosols, honestly. And because I know how much, I know how much one, People for Lord of the Rings either love or hate that scene, and two, Breath of the Wild. I, I, 
I do make it a goal in Breath of the Wild to go straight to Hyrule Castle, get the Master Shield, and I just use it to surf everywhere. Exactly. And then when that shield finally breaks, I just go buy another one. <laughs> so, you, um, the, the shield surfing in The Good Guys definitely does have a uh, moment to it that I remember I was working, because I was working third shift when I started this series last year. I remember laughing. Like, I was on the other side of the store, and my coworkers for the grocery department were breaking down their grocery load so I could go get the load for uh, general merchandise. And one of the coworkers came over, and he was asking me, he's like, hey, are you about ready to come get your stuff? Because we're just about finished. And I was like, yeah. And then the shield stuff happened, and I just paused. And I just started cackling. It was really bad at how hard I was cackling. I mean, that's not that odd for a third shift grocery, honestly. Okay, you're not wrong. I've, I've worked third shift retail. I know exactly what goes on. We, we, have some, we had some weird stuff that happened at my old store, but that's for a different podcast. So we talked about the ritualist and uh, the ritualist series and the good guys, but real quick, going to do a quick little plug that in flame book six in the ritualist series comes out on Tuesday and is doing a simultaneous release for the audiobook and the regular book. And I'm really excited. Super about that. hyped for that. More, more Luke Daniels. Joel, why don't you uh, give us a little thing on your lit RPG experience? My lit RPG experience. So, basically what got me into, uh, well, Audible in general, because I wanted to find books that I could actually get into. And uh, I'm a huge gaming, video game uh, nerd. And... So I wanted to get books that I could actually like get into and then read more and just get better at uh, my skills. And so I got Audible. I read or listened to uh, a few different series. There was Dark Tower. Uh, and then I asked my friend on Xbox, and he was like, so what uh, – I was like, what what uh, good books are there to read? And he uh, referred me to Ready Player One. And that kind of got me toward, oh, here's books like this. And it got me into Lit RPG. And, and so that's where I started listening to The Land, which is a phenomenal series. And then that sort of led into Decode Kraut and... Uh, an entire list that I don't have the time to go over. Uh, and then I eventually got rich into lit RPG. Uh, and yeah, it's just been a wild, crazy, fun ride. So I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and cover mine really quickly before we move on to our next topic. As Joel briefly did say, he got me into the lit RPG genre. He kept begging me. He's like, dude, read the land, read the land, read the land. He came out to visit me here out here in uh, Colorado for a week, and the night before he left, I worked third shift that night at a hotel. 
So he came up to the desk, hung out with me. He's like, all right, you got to listen to this. I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll listen to it. Started listening to it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It, it, it's good. It didn't grasp me as much as I thought it was going to. And he went home, and then I didn't touch it for – that was in October. I don't think I picked it up until around March or April the following year, and then I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked on this fran- er, subgenre of the fantasy sci-fi area of lit RPG. And kind of like Joel, I went from The Land straight into Dakota Krauts. I jumped right into Ritualist, which is uh, narrated by Vikest Adams, or the first two books at least. And it was a little bit of a slow start. It didn't grasp me as hard as I thought it was going to as well as the land, but after the land got past the first few chapters in the book, after the world building, it really grasped me. And now it's probably one of my favorite series of all time. I preach it nonstop. And I know it's not for everyone, but it definitely has the tone differentiations of there's some dark shit in this world. And a lot of it, there's there's some scenes in the land that just make me uncomfortable. And a few lit RPGs have, or a few books in general, have actually grasped that little, I guess, part of me that just goes, wow, I kind of want to skip this the next time I read the series. But I don't. I think I've done it for, I've done it once, and that was with the book three incident. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. But last year... I don't I w- think anyone wants to re- revisit that. <laughs> I don't want to revisit book seven sometimes, but I still do. Yeah. And I think another reason that the world... And like I said, I do audiobooks most of the time. I don't really stick with the whole... Actually reading just because of my dyslexia. It does take me a lot longer and also... A super high functioning ADHD. Listening to a book is a lot better for me because I feel like I grasp everything a lot better. Am am I alone there? No, I I, I just started my listening journey. What are you listening to currently? Uh, Honestly, right now, not lit RPG, just uh, Discworld. Okay. I haven't. I like. I, I try really hard as a basically as a writer to not read literatures while I'm currently writing, just in the off chance that something in the back of my brain's like, oh, this is a really good idea. Let's make this into a mechanic. And then like two months later, I'm like, oh, this is something else. And then you have to undo it. That That's completely understandable. But I think, uh, as you mentioned, I'll probably start with, I believe you gave the recommendation of Divine Dungeon, and I'll probably go on that for Audible. Definitely, definitely worth uh, listening to. And I mean, anytime Joel and I get into, like, we're listening to a lit RPG, we're listening, I'm like, dude, you gotta check out this series. And he's like, well, dude, you gotta check out this series. So our backlogs are just full, and they keep growing and growing and growing. (laughs) I, I don't know what's worse, my gaming backlog or my audiobook backlog. My gaming backlog is definitely worse than my audio or book. Those those that Steam 
those team sales just ruined me. <laughs> I I will agree there. I did I I have recently picked up a few things on a Steam sale. But yeah, that's that definitely does capture the I don't even know where I was going with that thought. I'm just gonna throw that one out the window. Back to what I was saying though with the audiobooks and the lit RPGs I definitely capture or that pull me in the most. I don't know where my top list would be because there's so many books. I can't pick and choose what's in my top five. It's way too hard. But the different, uh, when it comes to talking See, about... For me, I'd have to... Go ahead. Alright, I'm sorry. I was, uh, it was cutting in and out. But for me, I'd have to break it into completed series... And then uh, ongoing series. Okay. So I definitely have, like, The Land as, like, ongoing, uh, which it would definitely be in, like, my top five. And then, like, I don't even know, World Seed, just to throw it out there, Uh would also be in my top five, but it would be in the completed series. Okay. There really aren't that many completed lit RPGs, honestly. Uh, no, I feel like there aren't as many. I mean, when you look at like the whole ecosystem, most of them are still ongoing. There's a few that are, but yeah, still. I think the only ones I know of that are completed as of right now are the Greystone Chronicles and... Divine Dungeon, but Divine Dungeon, I don't even really would think it would be considered a lit RPG. It's more of a cultivation book than anything. Yeah, it is. Like, and it has the magic system, but it doesn't have, like, the stat sheets. Like, the series is, I guess, has stopped, but the story still goes on with Ritualists. Yeah, but still, it's a series that is, you know, pretty much the their main story is done. The most I can think of is like, the land's done, right? The last book came out recently, started something else. It started yeah. the next... Um, so, book seven was essentially, like, Infinity War slash Endgame level stuff. And then book eight was... A lot of people hate on book eight. I personally loved it. I referred to it more of as a anime filler episode leading into the next arc. Like, it's a nice break where not a lot happens, but enough happens to keep you going. Gotcha. So, book nine, he, uh, Alaron's already said, and actually made another uh, announcement today post, where book nine is still ETA for June of this year. Same with the audiobook. He's trying to do a simultaneous release, which will be oh, fantastic. That's really because Nick Fodell does do that series, but Nick Fodell is busy. He yeah, is, he is super busy. That man, and it's it's well deserved that he's busy because the man's talented. Joel and I always make the joke that man could narrate a phone book, and I would sit there and just enjoy every second of it. I have heard that so many times about Nick Fodell. Just yeah. pure talent. He has the voice, he has the range, and I think he captures it perfectly. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely the range for me. It it definitely is. And that's where I had that's where with some audiobook voice actors narrators it's hard for them to pull me in like Luke Daniels I had the hardest time with him for the most for the first part of his books especially when he takes over reading for Vikas Adams in the Ritualist series and Divine Dungeon and a narrative is always hard a narratorship is hard and that's why when I'm reading a series, I try to stick with the same narrator. Like when I'm on a Jeff Hayes kick, I try to stick with Jeff Hayes. When I'm on a Justin Thomas James kick, I try to stick with Justin Thomas James or Nick Podell, so on and so forth. So going back and forth between series is sometimes really hard for me. And that's when I like finding books that have multiple book series or multiple books in the series where the audio, uh, the narrator, I'm like, okay, now I can just get my kick out of the way and we'll be on our way. And then sometimes it's like, oh, there's one book out. Now I gotta wait for the next one. And now I gotta wait for the next one. So that's where I I do like when I start a series that's older and has more books than a newer series, but I also do like starting a newer series because then I can feel like that astound or excitement of waiting for the next book. Yeah, I always love that. Like you have you always have the rationale of, okay, well, this is done. I can go through it. But then you also in the back of your mind, you're like, this is done. I don't have any more. And getting a new book is always that shiny feeling like when when you first get like a game. And I mean, when I was a kid, since I'm a little bit older than most people, I'm in my 30s. And when I was a kid, you know, you go to just back when Toys R Us actually existed. And you'd get a game and you'd have to go home and ride home and that whole time you were looking through like the catalog to see like what moves were in the game what what the story was all this stuff that it was that's a feeling i get when i see a new series come out and i'm just so into seeing what comes next and i i love it i one you're not that much older than joel and i are believe it or not we're in our mid-20s two i know that feeling you're talking about um the writing home with a brand new game just holding it in your hand always captures and even this day sometimes i don't do digital on some games because i'm like yeah i want a physical copy of this game which with gaming on pc is a lot harder to do because steam is just so accessible and they don't really do physical copies of games anymore for pc yeah it's really hard unless you get like the steel book yeah but my first memory of that was probably the Either the Emperor's New Groove for the PS1 or Spider-Man, the uh, the tie-in to the movie for the PS2. Oh, both those are really good. Fantastic Mine games. was a... Uh, oh, what was it? It was a huge game. Um, Xenogears for PlayStation 1. Oh, wow. Which is a- Xenogears is a great game and a game I didn't think I'd ever hear of again. God, it's it's literally probably my top one of my top three games of of all time. I just I wish they had more time to finish like the end of the game. After I heard what they they basically had to cut, I was so sad. That's how I feel about Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh yeah. So if you were to, I've I've asked this question on uh, one of my other uh, one of the other episodes for the Penultimate Conquest podcast. 
or I think it was a cross-media show. I can't remember which one it was on. If you were to pick a world where you could survive in that was a, like a video game type world, do you know what you would pick? Adding the caveat of you can survive in really narrows the field. <laughs> Hold on, let me refine the question really quickly for you then. You're allowed to customize your character the way you want, which will all lead into my next topic. You're able to choose your class, your race, if you choose a fantasy-type world. You're allowed to pick all of your attributes. You can't pick what your... Um, it's not affiliation. Joel, what's the word I'm looking for? Covenant? No, it's what, like, Hisako and, like, they're experts in life magic. Affinity. Affinity. That's what I was thinking of. Um, you're not allowed to choose your affinity, though. So, it, the the affinity is randomly assigned after you pick your class. Oh, okay. Hmm. Do you have a idea of what type of world? Either it could be, you know, Lord of the Rings. It could be a Final Fantasy. It could be Kingdom Hearts. It could be whatever you, you pick. I would say Lord of the Rings, but that world is super dark. Like, for a... I mean... I guess the question is, would I be a normal person, or would I be not necessarily a hero, because you're not a hero until you do things, but... You have the potential would... to be a hero. You are okay. able to go out, do adventures. You're not required to be some random person in the Night's Guard. You could be, you know, an adventurer. You could be a necromancer. You could be whatever you wanted to be. I would probably pick either lord of the rings or it's it means really close or faerun from uh dnd okay so Torel, i guess is the world's name all right that, those are damn those are some good options but if i had to be like a normal peasant that's a hard pass to both of those <laughs> yeah the peasants kind of get uh the short end of the stick they get eaten both of those yeah especially de it also depends on what timeline in lord of the rings you go into like what area you go in oh yeah if we're talking about like before before the world was bent basically and it was just all flat and elves then then yeah being a normal person then would be pretty nice yeah but do you what would you say your um your class and race combo would be for D and D, it would definitely be. I'm a huge like, huge uh, tank in every MMO I play, so it would definitely be a paladin. Okay. But it would probably be a conquest paladin, at least in D and D, because they get to kick down doors and don't have to necessarily be the super goody two shoes. And the race would probably be. Honestly, I've always wanted to do half elf. I've never done it, and. But a half-elf that has a happy upbringing, which is rare. Yeah. Because half-elves <laughs> are genuinely sad. looked down upon. It's the sad backstory every time. My parents hate me, or my other parents hate me. Oh, now both of my parents hate me. <laughs> Man, my heart just broke all over again. I didn't need that. <laughs> Joel, what would you pick? Yeah. Oh, man. There's so many good options. Um, no, just your character. I don't, I, 
we we've talked about your just world my before. Character? Yeah, just your character, favorite race, class, combo. Uh, oof, I don't know. I do like the warlock. Yeah. Uh, they're just so much power just right off the bat. Now, are so we talking? Power. Are we talking a like World of Warcraft warlock, or are we talking D and D warlock? Uh, probably like a D and D warlock. Okay. Your witch. Uh, yeah. What would your race Cast be? Cast Um. Hmm. That's a good question. Probably tiefling. Okay. Gotta get that charisma score. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Gotta get that charisma score. Well, I did ask a few people. I asked my manager at work. She gave me an elf rogue. I was like, all right. A little sneaky, sneaky, stabby, stabby. I like it. I asked some people in the Penultimate Conquest that actually are members of the Penultimate Conquest. I asked them, and Tessa said elf rogue. Eric gave me the answer of a elven ranger. I was like, all right. I dig both of those. Ethan told me a human wizard. And then we get to me. And James, I'm going to make you a little proud real quick. Um, my go-to, always a dwarf paladin. Yes. I like my short, stocky boys, but I also like being able to throw a boulder across the battlefield if I need to. You got to get that smite in, too. Oh, yeah. Anytime I play an MMO, I if I have the option, I will be a dwarf paladin. That's... If I can be a paladin in general, I'm going to be a paladin. I'm running on Final Fantasy right now. I'm running a paladin for the online version. Uh, and wow, my first character I ever created was a dwarven paladin. I just love them. They're too good. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun to play. I mean, tanks in general are just like the linchpin of a party. And it's just tons of fun. And the name I always go with is Balazar Boldingstone. That's, I love that dwarf name. It's is it not great? I so, have, oh, I have ahead. a uh, dwarf. I, it's not really. Uh, yeah, it is spoiler, so never mind. It's just there. There are dwarves in in Beastborn, and I just I love them, and I get so much good things that people will just say, "Please give me more dwarves," because I love dwarves. Like when I read uh, Salvador's work, the guy who does Dritz. Oh, Dritz. oh yeah. My favorite parts of everything is when they go into the dwarves every time. Isn't that like book three or four? Of the, it, it, I mean, there's a bunch of them. There's one, uh, the like, I think it's Transitions is like the series where yeah. it goes into like the Orc King and stuff like that. Not so much a fan of the Orc King, but I read it exclusively for the dwarven scenes where they go into, uh, I can't remember the name, but there's like a dwarven city that's below a human city, and it's just, it's super awesome. Well, if you love dwarves and you like lit RPGs, definitely check out Greystone Chronicles. I uh, that's definitely neck on my next on my to be read. So, we're um, we're coming to the end of the show, and so far, I think this has been a really really fun time. I'm really enjoying it. And James, thank you so much for being on the very first episode of Stats on Stats. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm having a blast. So what we're going to do is at the end of the episodes, which I'll have better transitions after, <laughs> of course, after the first episode. But I want to give 
or I want to have each person give a recommendation of what uh, lit RPG they could read. It can be your own work. It could be whatever, depending on if we have authors on. Because I have reached out to a few, and you were the first one to actually reply, and I was really excited when that happened. Um, so if you had to pick between... For a new person to dive into the lit RPG genre, do you think Pyre Souls or Beastborn would be a good fit for them? And what age range do you think those would really fall into? I would definitely say Beastborn first because that's it's a more traditional lit RPG in my opinion. And the age range would basically be like middle school to to basically up from there. I wouldn't go much younger than that because there are certain scenes and certain concepts that they might not understand but there's there's no cursing because there's a really horrible world filter that several characters actively hate on but i would definitely say be sworn first and then parcels was something i wrote fully knowing that there are going to be people who will hate it and there will be people that will basically say oh this is dark souls ripoff it's nothing nothing special and then i'm i'm okay with that be sworn though is it's definitely where I would say to start if somebody was starting with my own work. Okay. And if they weren't starting with your own work, wh- uh, where would you throw them at? I would say, and absolutely zero shade here, I would say if you could skip the very beginning of Ritualist to get to where you can get into the game, Ritualist for sure. So and if you can't... Chapters then, yeah, about a couple chapters, because I, I love most of Kraut's work with that. When I first started reading, that was my first uh, lit RPG. It took me a while. I put down the book several times, and then picked it back up, and then put it back down. Which is a lot of friends that I've introduced to lit RPG. That's how they they went. Not with that book, but just in general. There's this kind of like slight dissonance of this is kind of weird. I like it, but I don't know how much I like it yet. And then you get into it and you love it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big theme for lit RPGs in general is you have the world building and then you have the like how they get into the game and then anywhere from there it's like an amazing game experience. Exactly. But it's just getting over that first hump that like kind of makes people walk away from it. I I would have to agree. The definitely the beginning of uh Ritualist would be is it's tough. Like, I mean, it took me a minute to get through it. It was it was a little bit of a struggle, but I was on third shift, like I said at the time when I started the series. So I, I powered through it, and after the once he gets into the actual game world, it was great. And I think it wasn't even really, I want to say, the beginning. Like, the prologue was really good, but once you get to, like, actually meeting Joe as a character... The beginning is depressing. It's yeah. really depressing. And I, I don't know about you guys, but usually when I read, I I don't mind something dark, but being dark and depressing is a little bit one step too far for me. And usually a lot of people that I read, uh, that I know that read books, you want to get away from the depressing times. Mm-hmm. And... The Ritualist definitely does do that, so that's why it's going to be on my list, I think, because there's not, like, any swearing in it or anything. I mean, there's some darker themes, but 
with language and actual content, I would say it's about, you know, middle school up is yeah, where I would, I would put that on the, um, the rating. So T for teen, we'll just, we'll just say T for teen. But I think that will be the end of the first episode. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do our plugs and we'll wrap it up. So James, what are you plugging? Uh, basically just my books. You can reach me at uh, all the books at author.to slash James T. Callum, all one word. And that's basically everything I have available that you can read. All right. Joel, what are you plugging? Uh, I'm Joel. You can see Sir Valor Hunter. You can reach me at Twitch and Twitter. Look me up. Both Sir Valor Hunter? Yeah. Okay. And you can always reach me at uh, Twitter at Rich Dolphus. Same with Twitch. And also right here on Penultimate Conquest. I want to thank everyone who stopped by for the very first episode. And if you are watching this on YouTube or listening to it, please feel free to drop a like, subscribe, follow, whatever platform you're looking at. And definitely let us know. I hope all of you have a wonderful day. And once again, thank you so much for stopping into the very first episode of Stats on Stats.